Alright, we're going to look this morning in Matthew chapter 14. Glad to see everybody here in God's house this morning. And uh, I'm going to switch back between uh, uh, Proverbs and uh, Matthew. So if you want to go ahead and mark uh, Proverbs chapter 21 at the same time. Uh, Proverbs has 31 chapters and uh, and your month is about 30, 31 days long most of the time. And there might be a 29 or a 28 uh, spread out in there somewhere, but most of the time that's about a 30-day month. Uh, and so it usually leaves you room to read one proverb every day, day one. Sometimes, uh, you know, I've thought, uh, made the mistake in my own mind of instead of saying it's May the 1st, it's Proverbs the 1st. Amen? <laughs> and uh, that, you get kind of mixed up doing it that way sometimes. But... First day of the month, read Proverbs 1. Second day, Proverbs 2. And then if you run out of days before you get to chapter 31, just finish them up right quick and start over on chapter 1 again uh, on the next day. But whatever, wh- whichever way it works out will be good for you. I promise you that. And a lot, of the, a lot of the moral issues that are behind the doctrines in the Bible, you're going to find them in the book of Proverbs, and and so a lot of answers that a lot of answers to the questions that people ask will be found in the book of Proverbs. Why do I have to do this, or why am I not allowed to do this according to God? And a lot of those answers will be found in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Those proverbs are just little sayings. Uh, the the uh, colonial crowd called them maxims. You read about the maxims of George Washington. That's just the proverbs, and so they're just little uh, one or two line thoughts that give you great wisdom and g- good understanding. And so, how many of you wouldn't want some more wisdom? Amen. How many can just say, "Hey, I don't need any more wisdom. I think I've got all I want." That's not. That just doesn't make much sense. I think I'm done learning now, and I'm just gonna uh, sit here in a vegetative state for the rest of my life. I don't. I don't know anybody who says that outright. I see some people acting like that from time to time. Amen. Uh, walk through the living room, see everybody looking at the TV, like. You kind of wonder if they hadn't uh, resigned themselves to a life of a vegetative state. But at any rate, if you want wisdom, there it is in the book of Proverbs. So we're going to switch back. I said all that to say this. We're going to switch back and forth. Uh, But their main passage of Scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 14. I hope I told you that already. Matthew 14, we're going to start reading in verse 22. And this is going to be kind of an odd passage of scripture for the thought that I have because I'm going to preach to you this morning about Judas Iscariot. He's a man that's out of place. Amen. Uh, One thing I don't like, and I've been this way since I was a little boy, I don't like being out of place. I don't like feeling like I'm out of place. You've been to a place talking to some people and you know they're not really your crowd or whatever the case may be, but it's not hard for me to fill out a place. Tell a joke and nobody laughs. <laughs> or show up with a Dallas Cowboys hat and you're in Philadelphia. That'd make you feel, you know, I don't know how many of you know about Philadelphia, but uh, it's just not the place to wear Dallas Cowboys equipment. Amen. Uh, you know, you see some of these kids nowadays, they look like little poster children. They got these 
flat brimmed hats on and their shirt matches and their pants match and their shoes match. I can't hardly stand that. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'm not uh, in the in crowd or nothing. But man, if I look in the mirror and I see, hey, I've got an outfit on. No, sir, I don't wear outfits. <laughs> uh, but you see these fellas, they got the red and black shorts and the red and black hat with the flat brim, and they look like they dressed up to go to a masquerade party or something. I can't do that myself, amen. But you might just imagine a whole room full of folks in Philadelphia Eagles gear, and you show up with Dallas Cowboys, a shirt that says Romo on the back, something like that. just make you feel out of place, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or suppose you was a Christian at a bar. Wouldn't you feel out of place? Wouldn't you feel out of place standing around drinking iced tea while everybody else is drinking Budweiser? That's why I don't go to too many family reunions. Amen. I went to a family reunion. Let's see, we we have one every year, and it's a pretty big family, and I think the last time I went was 1996 or 1997, something like that. And I went there, and they was all half drunk. And I was just learning to preach at that time, and boy, I felt like uh, uh, I felt like all kinds of out of place. What are you doing now? I'm preaching. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I ain't seen you in a long time. Where you been? Down to church. I think I hear my wife calling me. <laughs> it just makes you feel out of place, amen. But that's what I want to talk to you about. Judas Iscariot, he's a man that's really out of place. But he fits in so well. I'm kind of afraid of that. I'm kind of afraid of that. Uh, I was reading the other day, and and the Bible taught me something. And it was in the book of Proverbs. And I can't remember right off the top of my head the exact verse that it is, or I would take you there and read it. Uh, But it's talking about a man that flatters. And it says something to the fact that he's got deceit in his heart. Let me point something out to you. Maybe you'll realize this to be the truth. You ever talk to a car salesman? They're full of confidence. And they're always, almost every car salesman I've ever talked to, they always ask me what I do. And you know, at first you think, you go in there 18 years old, and the guy asks you what you do, you think, well, he's trying to make sure I've got enough money to... That man don't care. He don't. He don't care nothing about if you got the money to buy that vehicle or not. He'll sell it to you anyway. But they'll always ask you what you do. And so now I play a little game of it when I go to a car sale. They'll say, "What you do?" I say, "I'll say to myself, watch this." <laughs> and I say, "I'm a preacher. I'm pa- I pastor a church. And boy, they'll become the best Christian you ever heard." <laughs> and listen, from time to time, he'll say this. And this past time when I bought that truck, this fellow, he says to me, I know you're a good preacher. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you sorry, Dad. He's <laughs> like, oh, you work out in the prison? I'll bet you a sharp fellow. I'll bet you in shape, ain't you? I'll bet you can handle yourself real good working out there. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't know him from Adam. <laughs> Let me show you what reality. The, the, the Bible says a man that flatters got wickedness in his heart. He's got bad intent. There are some people that can come up to you, man, and they just... A lot of preachers this way. 
somebody and when you really sincerely express your gratitude for something most people just send thank you cards because the Bible says a man that just right outright flatters somebody got wickedness and ulterior motives in his heart and there's something, there's something but you see somebody say oh, I appreciate it they're probably sincere you girls if a boy ever comes up to you and says that's probably the one you want that's probably the man for you right there. But if he walks up. That's right. Want to roll with me? That's the devil right there. Amen? Well, that's what Judas Iscariot is. Judas Iscariot's right at home. And everybody in his crowd... They don't think like Him. They don't act like Him. They don't believe like Him. And He's right at home with them. Matter of fact, He's so energetic and outgoing, they make Him the treasure. Who says, if, if you... <laughs> Sometimes I hate to say things, but this is the way it is. You don't think about this stuff. It almost sounds like blasphemy. It's Jesus Christ and all of His disciples like... If the Pope thinks he's something, he better step aside. This is Jesus and all the apostles. And you think, now if you're really close to God, you won't make any bad decisions. You mean like putting Judas in charge of the money? (laughs) That's spiritual insight right there. Way to go, Jesus. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Now listen, if somebody came in here and they was a thief and I put them in charge of the treasury and they stole all the money, you'd, you'd try to fire me. Brother Mike, we just can't have you as a pastor anymore. Of course, you'd be the one that left eventually. <laughs> Not me, amen. It's in my contract. You can't fire me. But at any rate, that, isn't that right? Well, here's Jesus and all these apostles. I guess they're busy doing what they're supposed to do. They put the thief in charge of the money. How's that for spiritual insight? And he's just happy to do it. Now, here in chapter 22, like I said before, it's an unusual set of scriptures to be using for this, uh, to be using for this subject. Most people use, when they talk about Judas Iscariot, they talk about when Jesus betrayed him. Right? When he kissed Jesus on the jaw and said, this is the one, betrayed the Lord. Most people talk about that. But I just want you to see this. And maybe it'll help you somehow or some way this morning. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Let's pray right there. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. I pray, dear God, for understanding. I pray for uh, the ability to say what I have to say and say it well. And Lord, I ask God that you would help this congregation to hear these things and consider themselves and see, dear God, what's in their own hearts. And I pray, dear God, if there be one lost this morning, I pray that you'd save them. If there be one that's backslidden, I pray, oh God, that you would help them to draw closer to you. And then, oh God, if there's any way that our heart is deceived us, Lord, you told us not to be deceived by anybody or let anybody deceive us and not to deceive ourselves. And so, Lord, I ask you, dear God, to help us just have a little time of reflection, dear God, to see what is the direction of our lives and which direction it is that we're heading. And I will thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. Uh, on Wednesday night when I preached, uh, some of you wouldn't hear, but when I preached, I, I asked this question. I said, where is your life heading? Which direction are you going in? And when you get there, are you going to enjoy that? After the service, this young lady came up to me and, and in so many words, she told me that she didn't like the direction that her life was going. And I truly and sincerely hope that she gets that stuff worked out. But it's a good question to ask yourself, if I keep going the way I'm going right now, where am I going to end up? And when I end up there, am I going to be happy with the outcome? Am I going to be happy with the things worked out? Now I want you to look here in this verse and look back down in verse number 27. Jesus says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. The Lord speaking comfort to His disciples. He told them to get in the ship, to go to the other side. They got in the ship. Now they're heading to the other side. You got the picture so far? But when Jesus said, Be of good cheer... He was talking to Judas Iscariot. 
Judas Iscariot is in that boat. uh, Judas Iscariot is going through the hardships. He's going through uh, this. He's probably just as afraid as all the rest of them are. But he's a stone throw away from grace. Right next to him. People say that Judas Iscariot is the only man that kissed the door to grace and went to hell. That's exactly what he did. But when Jesus says, peace be still, he's talking to all of his disciples, of course. But he's talking to Judas Iscariot, a man that's on his way to hell. A man that's been walking with them, been talking with them, even been taking part in the ministry, even been taking part in the administration. But yet he's on his way to hell. And he's apparently comfortable with that. You only see one place where Simon Peter ever finds any grief about the direction he's heading and by that time it's too late. He's in the administration. He's in the upper levels. Yet he's on his way to hell. You wouldn't think any Baptist preachers or any Baptist deacons would ever wind up in hell, would you? You just don't think that way. We're trained in a mindset to be positive about everybody in the upper levels of, of, of religion. Oh, you're not supposed to knock people's religion. Everybody's basically good. That's the way people are being trained to thought. But here's Judas, and he's one of the leaders. He's in the administration, and he's on his way to hell. And he's perfectly fine with that. He's comfortable. He's comfortable. I don't think even people realize what you're talking about. I think people look at you. How about Mother Teresa? How many of you folks ever imagined Mother Teresa in hell? People just don't think of that stuff. People don't realize that. Brother Mike, is it possible that Mother Teresa could be in hell if she didn't trust Jesus Christ as her Savior? You cannot go to heaven. You cannot go to heaven by being religious. You cannot go to heaven by helping the poor. You cannot go to heaven by being baptized. You cannot go to heaven for being an administrator in the church. You cannot go to heaven for waiting on lepers. You just can't get to heaven that way. Now if you humble yourself, this is what we were talking about in Sunday school. If you humble yourself... And submit yourself, and you, God is liable to tell you the truth. God is, God is very willing to tell you the truth, and that so He makes sure you get the truth. You humble, you're a servant. God's going to tell you the truth. That's God's will. God set it up like that. But that doesn't mean you're going to believe it when it comes. Amen. So people don't even think. Say, so brother Mike, where do you think Mother Teresa is? I don't know. But if I could find some place that told me about her profession of faith, I could tell you instantaneously. Just like this morning, if I went around the room, which I'm not going to do, but if we went around the room and I had each person stand up and tell me your profession of faith, I could tell you if you're going to heaven or not. And you could know. Amen. As a matter of fact, somebody could just stand up and say, I'm on the way to heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because... I believe on Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the way, the way, the truth, and the life. And it'd be just that simple. But if you stood up and said, well, I was baptized when I was five years old. And I joined the church down at Old Oak Grove Baptist Church. And I went down there until I was about ten. And then, you know, we went over to uh, the, you know, the first Baptist church of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, Tempe, Arizona, and we stayed there for a while, and you know, then I grew up, and then we uh, we moved over to Austin, Texas, and I went to the Church of God down there, and you know, uh, yeah. if that's your t- profession of faith, you're going to end up in hell. Yeah. You say why? Because Jesus Christ is the only way to go to heaven. Amen. 
Can you imagine talking to Judas Iscariot before anything happened with the crucifixion? Say, Judas, you say, well, I'm the treasurer over here. This is Jesus. He's the Son of God and I'm His treasurer. Don't you think I'm going to heaven? And that's about exactly what he would say. Uh, Judas wasn't deceived about much, but he surely was deceived about his condition. He was comfortable. When Jesus said, be of good cheer, he said, everything's going to be alright now. We're going to make it. But he knew good and well what, what, what was in his heart. He knew good and well what was in his heart. He knew he was on the wrong boat and for the wrong reason. Amen? Right. Let me, uh, now let me show you that verse over in Proverbs chapter 21. And look in verse number 27. This is just the way God sees that. You and I, we're not really allowed to look at things like this because we don't know one another's heart, do we? We can't read it. Now, if I look at you for a long period of time, and I'm talking about a long period of time, if you looked at me for a day, you might not think I was a Christian if it was a bad day. Right? Right? Uh, So if you looked at me for a day, you might come away thinking I was a good Christian. You might not. I'm glad we're not saved by works. Amen? Amen. But if you look at me for a a year or two years, you might have a better understanding of what I am and what I believe. And if I looked at you for a day, I might think you're a Christian. I might not. But if I looked at you for a long period of time, I might have some understanding about who you are. But there's one thing that's certain. I will never be able to peel back the covering of flesh and look inside your heart and mind and tell what you believe or what you think. Sometimes I can't even tell if you're happy or mad or sad. You know, sometimes it'll get quiet and I'll say, what's wrong with (laughs) y'all? And somebody will say, we're listening. (laughs) And I'll say, boy, I feel like a heel now. (laughs) That answer is a little too obvious. Stop listening and say amen. (laughs) No, I'm glad you listen. I'm glad you listen. But listen, what I'm trying to get across to you is I can't look into your heart and see what you're thinking and see what you believe and see what's going on. Uh, Samuel thought for sure that some of the older brothers of David was surely going to be the king. They looked the part. They were probably big and strong and all that good stuff. But the Lord said, you're looking on the outward appearance. He said, but I look on the heart. And the, the boy that they was looking for wasn't even there. So, here's this man. He, he's a crook. He's a criminal. He's a devil. But he's in the church. He's running around with religious folks. He's running around with Jesus Christ himself. And so, I told you to look in Proverbs 21. We don't think about these things. And we're not really allowed to judge one another's heart. Uh, It's not wise to do that. But look here in verse number 27. This is gospel truth here. He said the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. See that? Now he's not talking about sacrificing to the devil. You know you see these rock stars and stuff. And they're talking about worshiping Satan. That's not even what it's talking about here. In the Old Testament they brought little lambs and turtle doves and stuff like that. And they sacrificed them on the altar. You and I think that's a bloody mess. And I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. Because Jesus Christ was our sacrifice. But that's what they had to do in the Old Testament. And so in the Old Testament setting, he says, the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. So when a wicked man brought a little sacrifice down to the altar, that that word abomination means that when God sees it, it kind of gets mad. Like when you see somebody trying to get over on somebody. Somebody trying to rip off your grandmother or something like that. When the insurance man charges her 
$170 and it really should only be $70 and you find that out. That sick stomach you get in you. That, that sick feeling you get in your stomach. Know what I'm talking about? God sees a wicked man bring a little sacrifice down to the temple and lay that sacrifice on and God says, Golly. That's what abomination means. It means, oh man. You ever seen something like that? Man, I... Something revolting, something terrible. I was at a car accident one time. I hesitate to tell the truth, but I want you, I want you to get to understand what I'm talking about. I was at working a car accident one time, and this man had been shot. The fellow rode by the car and shot him, and he had went off the road and out through a field and turned over, and looked like he shot him with a shotgun. Just took the top of his head right off, but he was. Still out there in the car. When they pulled him out of the car, his head come back and just emptied everything inside. And my response was, and I'd seen stuff like that. I've been seeing that stuff for ages. But when that happened, my knees just went just like that. And I turned just like that. That's just natural response. You say, what was that? That's an abomination. That's something you can't deal with morally or physically or mentally. When I seen it, my knees buckled and I turned just like that. My brother did the same. My brother was standing there beside me. He'd done the same thing. Just... The Bible says when, when somebody enters God's house and brings a sacrifice, God says, just something he can't physically stand. I hope that paints a good picture in your head. Look back here in verse number. Look, look in verse number 2, that same chapter, verse 20, chapter 21. He says... Every, every way of man is right in his own eyes. How many of you would raise your hand this morning and say, I'm wrong, Brother Mike? <coughs> well, change. <coughs> right? <laughs> so, Brother Mike, I, I got off the wrong side of the bed this morning, said the wrong thing to my wife, put on the wrong clothes, drove the wrong car. <laughs> no, you did all that stuff right, didn't you? You're a bunch of Baptists. Scared to answer a question. <laughs> man, you see what I'm trying to say? Every way, of right, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. The Lord looking at your heart, see? Now look in verse number 4. An high look and a proud heart. Now what do you think he's going to say about that? It's going to be negative, ain't it? But look at the next thing. The plowing of the wicked. What does it say about the plowing of the wicked? You know what the Bible says about work? The Bible says if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. Is that what it says or don't it? Man ought to have a job. Right? But that Bible says when a man, when a hard working man that doesn't know God gets out in his field and starts plowing, that's a sin. What? Whose dirt is he plowing? Whose dirt is he plowing, Brother Curtis? God. That's God's dirt. Here's a man, he gets up early in the morning, puts on his suit and tie, puts on his overalls, or puts on his work clothes, puts on his jumpsuit, whatever he works in, and gets up, shaves his face if he's got any sense, and gets on down the road and starts working and doing everything. And all the time, he's very comfortable. 
I got my routine, drink my coffee, get my Red Bull, do what I can, get my Coca-Cola, stop at this place and get my coffee, stop at that place and get my donut, get down to the workplace at 7.55 and I'll be ready to go to work and comfortable in God's world. Oh, I worship at the church of my choice. I believe what I want to believe. I got a right to do what I want. And perfectly comfortable in God's world. And when Jesus says stuff like, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. They go. Just like when Jesus walks up in this storm and says, Be of good cheer, except Judas. Is that what he said? No, he didn't say that. Uh, y'all just relax. Except for Judas, you got some stuff to worry about. That kind of sounds like me preaching, not Jesus. Jesus, Jesus says, Hey, all you fellas in the boat, don't worry. Except for you, Judas. You got a few problems. <laughs> Is that what Jesus said? No. No. You know what the difference in Judas and the rest of these fellas is? One of them, a lot of them believe and Judas don't. Judas don't care nothing about the Lord. Judas don't care nothing about truth. He don't care nothing about dealing honestly with folks. All he cares about is himself. And he goes to church, quote unquote church, when they all meet together and he hears the same lessons and he hears the same teachings and he sees the same miracles and he couldn't care less. It didn't change. I preached you a sermon about four years ago. It's called "The Devil Can Quote Scripture," and we went through all these. We went through all those verses. It says the devils fear and tremble. God gets around the devil or a demon. The Bible says that devil believes and trembles, but ain't one of them, not one of them ever got right. There's no account anywhere of any devil or demon ever getting right with God. I guarantee you. That the devil, Satan himself, can quote this Bible from cover to cover. I guarantee he knows it every bit. The devil can quote Scripture, but he can't get right. You know what the problem is? Some people say, well, he's created without fear. It's worse than that. He don't believe. The devil just don't believe. The devil don't believe in God's program. And it may be true that fear had something to do with that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's just a plain fact. We're never going to be... As much as we hate negativity, you're never going to get away from the fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, if you grow in the Lord and you grow comfortable with the Lord and you grow close to the Lord and you begin to trust the Lord which begins to drive away some fear, you ain't never going to get away from the fact that your first encounter with God and many of your encounters with God are going to be, oh, sorry about that, Lord. Because right. you're afraid He's going to do something. It's just wise. You know why you didn't smack your mama? Because you're afraid of your dad. Amen. Amen. That's just good healthy fear, ain't it? Ain't that right? Amen. Judas Iscariot didn't have none of that. Judas Iscariot could step back when nobody was looking and reach his hand in that bag and take out a couple of quarters and put them right in his pocket. Didn't bother him a bit. Right? Judas Iscariot could have turned on the R-rated movies and the X-rated movies and then been at church 7 o'clock the next morning, 8 o'clock, whatever time they met together. Amen. How y'all doing? 
looked just like everybody else. And God didn't even point him out until a certain point. There was a time when Jesus finally stood up and said, I chose you twelve fellas, and one of you is a devil. And then he began to talk about that stuff, and he said, hey, tonight, one of you fellas is going to betray me. And that threw the whole, that threw the whole game in kind of disarray. If Jesus walked in the back door this morning and said, one of y'all is fixing to betray me, what would your response be? Would you even care? Jesus says, one of you fellas is going to betray me. And you know what they began to do? They begin to say, is it me? But do you have any doubts whatsoever about yourself? I mean, this is good, healthy Christianity if you just once in a while say, man, I can't believe I'm this bad. Yeah. You go to most churches and everybody's perfect and they're all putting on a show for one another and they're probably all Judases. If, it be, if the truth be told, you want to find out if you're in a, in, a, in a good, solid position, you'll be around a bunch of... If you're in a good, solid position, you'll be around a bunch of people that know who they are. Amen. They may be trying to get better and they may be studying their Bible and they may be witnessing and they may be trying to get better but deep down in their heart they got some reservations about their self. Yeah. I don't Brother Curtis, I don't know about him but I know for myself I don't always <laughs> think like I should I don't always act like I should I don't always watch what I should right. and boy, if God walked in here this morning and said, one of y'all is fixing to betray me I think I would probably say hope it ain't me. Wouldn't you? If you read that, I mean, if you take all the accounts of the Gospels and put those together, what you find out is when Jesus said that, they began to go, hey, is it me? And it went around the table. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And you get around the table and there's one man leaning on Jesus. I don't even like to read that. I don't even like to read that. Are y'all honest about what y'all read in the Bible? Are y'all so religious that it's just a book to you? I wish Brother Henry was here. He's about the only fellow I feel comfortable around situations like this. I know he's on my team. Look at this. Tell me how uncomfortable this makes you feel. <laughs> Don't make you feel good, does it? <laughs> oh, my brother Chris. <laughs> How's that make you feel? Mm, <laughs> I'm pretty secure in my masculinity. <laughs> the Bible said there was one man leaning over on Jesus just like that. Well, I read that and I say, What? I guess, you know, like I say, I don't read my Bible like most people read it like it's uh, like it's something detached, like it's something for people in another age or another dimension or something. But this is my book. Yeah. Right. When I read it, it applies to me and it, right. it appeals to me and it, it speaks to me. I, it's my book, amen? Right. I, I read one time in my Bible where they was all out there fishing and when Jesus showed up, they all put their clothes on. I know it's 
likes the Bible, but I'm uncomfortable with that. Right? Uh, Ruth's little brother, her little brother, I say little brother, he's, he's bigger than most of us, but he used to work with me when I, I owned a roofing company and we'd be working, he'd start taking his, his shirt off and i say, mm, no. <laughs> you work on this crew, you're putting your shirt on. Just, keep, just stay dressed. Some things I'm just uncomfortable with. But Jesus steps up now. That's the way we look at things out there. You may look at it different, but I look at it that way. Amen? So, Jesus steps in the crowd and says, one of y'all is going to betray me. And all these people sitting around having a good time, including Judas, begins to say, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? You read that, like I said, you read the whole story. When you get around to that fellow that's leaning on Jesus, that fellow says, who is he? <laughs> he don't say, is it me? He knows what he believes. He knows, who's, he knows who he loves. And he's the only disciple in that book that it even describes Jesus' relationship with as more than just religious. He said the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. John said that. John said Jesus and Peter was walking along, and along behind them come that disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> Talking about himself. Yeah. Simon Peter said, What you gonna do with that man? And Jesus said, Mind your own business, I'll take care of him. <laughs> You're the one that needs straightening out, son. Just leave John alone. John loved Jesus. Amen. Judas Iscariot didn't love Jesus. God was not in all of his thoughts. I wonder this week, how much time did you really think about God? God, what can I do for you? God, how can I get better? How can I better represent you? I've got to go to work tomorrow. I've got to go to church tomorrow. I've got to go down to the bank tomorrow. I've got to do this tomorrow. I've got to do that tomorrow. God, how can I please you? Did you think about that at all? Or just when you heard last week when the preacher preached about God is going to take care of you. Did you go... That's what Judas Iscariot did. Hey, the storm's going to blow over. I'm going to get the ship to the other side. That's the kind of psychological uh, Joel Osteen type of preaching that's taken over society. Today, God just wants you to be your best you. It ain't even comfortable talking like that. I wonder how much practice it takes to continue talking with a continuous smile. A man don't ever want to hear his wife say creepy. (laughs) She said, Don't you love Joel Osteen? No, man, he is creepy. (laughs) A man that talks like that and thinks like that has never worked on a roof. Or on a garbage truck, or dug a ditch. I mean, God wants you to be your best you. He wants me to be the best ditch digger. <laughs> Some guy's wife just left him, and all the sins he's ever committed just come home to roost. God's really going to use. Huh? God wants to take everything you've gone through. It. 
That's the wrong, that's the wrong message. The message is get right. Get right with God. The guy just robbed the bank and he's in there probably hiding out so no cops going to look into the church. God just wants to use you. No, if you don't get right with God, God's going to drop kick you through the goalpost of hell. That's what God's going to do. But you see, sinners are comfortable in that environment. Judas Iscariot, peace be unto you. Don't worry about a thing. This ship's going to get to the other side, just like I said. Oh, good then. It's good. Comfortable. Me. I'm comfortable. Help me. Help me. Finance me. That's what the world's looking for. That's what Judas Iscariot looked for. The Bible said he was a thief. The Bible just straight out said that about him. He was a thief. And he was a devil. And he was comfortable around God's people. Brother Mike, what's your goal in life? My goal is to make Christians better Christians and to make sinners uncomfortable. But I don't... Listen, I'm not mad at sinners. I'm not angry at sinners. I I, I don't have anything... I want sinners to get saved. The Bible says... Some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. The Bible says that some have compassion, making a difference. What a lot of people don't realize, there's two extreme one way or the other. They just think the fear is for some people and the compassion. Everybody needs compassion. I see folks living like some folks, well, I started, let me just say this. I see folks on drugs and on dope and stuff like that. I don't turn up my nose and say, mm, I'm going to preach to you. But no, if you have, they do need an awakening. They do need really. They need somebody to grab them by the shoulders and shake them to they come into reality. But you can't do that physically in church. You have to shake them with a sermon. But I like the way if you have compassion on somebody, God will always set you up in a position where that that stuff will just work out. I got probably 12 or 13 sermons in there, maybe 15, maybe 20 sermons sitting in my desk on there. And the Lord gives it to me, and the Lord gives it to me, and, the Lord, and I'm sitting here going, now, I've wrote so many sermons, I don't know which one to preach. And which one do I need right now? And Wednesday night, going to preach on something, and the Lord said, preach that one right there. And preached it, and it was about the direction of your life, and where are you going, and do you care, and all this stuff. And some folks showed up that need to be saved. It's just a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. But it's not a preset attitude either. It's not, well, I don't care or I do care. It's not. No, it's just do what you're supposed to do and God will have you where you're supposed to be when the time comes. But some people are not worried about that. Some people just, I don't care about nothing or nobody. I just care about myself and God's not in all their thoughts. I don't even really think this is really a... It could be a salvation message if you're here and you don't know God and God's not in all your thoughts. This would be the morning for you to get saved. But really this is just a message to let you check up and say, Hey, which direction am I going? What is going to be the outcome of my life? How much time do I spend thinking about God's wishes or God's concerns or God's rights? This is the age of rights. I know my rights. I want my rights. What about God's rights? Listen, I want you to have your rights. I think you ought to have more rights. I really do. But listen, the only people that can really handle rights are people that have enough moral strength to do right with those rights. Amen? So... My question to you this morning is, 
Is God in all your thoughts? Which direction are you heading? Are you heading towards God or are you just heading in your own direction? Do you ask God about anything in your life? Direction for your life? Hmm? It's a good idea. It'll save you from a lot of trouble. I found a time in my early teenage years where I began to care more and more about myself. Got out in the, in the service and cared more and more and more about myself. And those have, been, those have turned out, I'm 44 years, I've been, I've been out of the Marine Corps over 25 years, I believe. And the decisions I made in those days going in my own direction are still visiting me today. Forgiven. Some of the sins I committed, they're forgiven. But from time to time, they pop up still and say, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. If you hadn't have done that then, you wouldn't think this way now. If you hadn't have done that, you wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as easy for you to be tempted by this and that. And it's the times in my life when all I cared about was my own comfort, whether I was around God's people or around the devil's people. The times that I cared about my own comfort and my own outcomes and my own goals have turned out to be the worst times of my life. And the times I've got in God's Word and got close to God and asked God, what do you want from me? Those have always turned out to be the very best of times in my life. And I promise you, it'll be the same for you. There may be some things going on in your life this week where you're thinking, man, just as soon as I do that, I'm going to be having a blast. I can't wait. And some of those times will turn out to be the worst times you've ever had. Amen. Yeah. I wish people could get a hold of that. The things we seek after and search after and get our hands on turn out to be rattlesnakes. Yeah. And the times of patience and the times of waiting and the times of relying on the Lord. And it might not have the most style. It might not have the most appeal. It might not have the most possess. But the time that we wait on God and say, I'm going to wait just a little longer, Lord, and trust you with this thing, those always turn out to be the very best times. And I guarantee you this, it's far better than just being in a storm and having God come by and say, peace be still to the wind. Those times are great. But Judas Iscariot went through those and died as a suicide and went to hell. Heavenly Father, we do thank You, God, for Your goodness and for Your mercy. I pray, O God, that, Lord, out of this message, You'll just cause us to stop once in a while and examine ourselves and see where are we heading? Am I trying to serve You better? Am I trying to serve myself Sometimes it's wise just to take care of our own situations, to do what's required of us. And I understand those things. But God, most of the time we're seeking pleasure in things that never will produce pleasure. We're seeking joy in things that never will produce joy. We look at our homes and we look at our cars and we look at our bank account and we think all these things are going to produce my happiness. And they just end up giving us more frustration and more heartaches and more trouble. And Lord, but when we come to You and draw close to You and we care more about You than we care about ourselves, Lord, things tend to, uh, things tend to joy and to, Lord, good things and happiness. And Lord, I pray, God, You'd help us to realize those things. Help us to chase those things, dear God. And really, Lord, help us to become religious about what we believe 
about your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to make those the habits of our lives. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming this morning.